All right, turn back to the book of 1 Corinthians tonight. Thank you, young people. And uh, they did a great job. It is difficult standing up here looking at you. I can uh, tell you that from personal experience. And so uh, for them to do that, uh, that takes a lot of courage for them to do that. And so uh, they did a wonderful job. 1 Corinthians 1, while you're turning there, let me remind you of a couple of things. Uh, remind you to pray for uh, our Reaching Spanish Nations ministry, Brother Mike Payton and Brother David Bassler will be going to Puerto Rico tomorrow. They say it's for ministry, but I'm not sure. And uh, so pray for them as they minister uh, in that country. And then uh, I have postponed making this announcement as long as I possibly can, uh, because, you know, we got good momentum this year, and I don't want to do anything to derail that, but I must take, make this announcement tonight. Next Sunday's Time Change Sunday, and this is the one where you lose an hour. And so I look forward to getting more sunlight, uh, but I want to remind you of that, that before you go to bed Saturday night, set your clocks forward, and uh, we'll look forward to a good day in the Lord's house. First Corinthians 1, I'm going to read the same passage of Scripture tonight that I read this morning, and then bring a different message Tonight, but certainly it ties in with the message this morning. So, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, beginning with verse number 11. For it hath been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. Now, this I say that every one of you saith, I am of Paul, and I am of Paulus, and I have Cephas, and I have Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you, or were ye baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I had baptized in my own name. And I baptized also the household of Stephanus. Beside, I know not whether I baptized any other. For Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the where is the scribe, where is the disputer of the world? Hath not God made foolishness the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. I want us to look at verse number 21. We'll look at several verses tonight, but I want to use verse 21 as our text verse where we'll get started this evening. For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. What a sad state for the world. For the, after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. You can study and you can get smarter and smarter. I mean, you're going to know God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I want you to notice that phrase there. Please God by the foolishness of preaching. Tonight we're going to look at pleasing God by the foolishness of preaching. Father, I pray that you use your word tonight. And Father, may this simple message just be a reminder to us, like the message this morning was a reminder. And Father, may we be reminded that it is truly all about the cross. It's all about Christ. It's about what he was willing to do for us. And Father, may we be reminded of these important truths that uh, the Apostle Paul, he's reminding these Christians in that day. 
And Father, may we also be reminded that uh, it was good for this, these early churches. It's certainly uh, good for us today. And may we uh, just be reminded of these wonderful truths. For it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We look at our text, and as we look at the message this morning, I remind you, Paul's writing because he's heard of some contention. And I use this passage this morning to remind us not to be distracted from the cross. The main thing is the cross. It's not about personality. It's not about procedure. It's not about our own pride or popularity of the day. It's about the cross of Christ. As we look at our text, the verse number 21, the for after that, in the wisdom of God, man has wisdom of how man thinks God ought to do things. You know, we're, it's bad, but we're good at that, aren't we? God, this is, what I, this is how I think you ought to do it. If, if I were God, this is the way I would go about it. Let me just say to all of us, it's a good thing that none of us are God. Because we'd be in pretty bad shape if we were. But God, as we see in verse 21, man has his wisdom, but we see in verse 21, for after that in the wisdom of God, aren't you thankful that God's wisdom is, is greater than your wisdom? And by the way, when it comes to how to have a good marriage, I would take God's wisdom over man's wisdom. I, I, I would say how to rear your children, I'd take God's wisdom over man's wisdom. When it comes to the church, I'll take God's wisdom over man's wisdom. And we need to be reminded of that. that God's wisdom, the word of God, is what we hold to. But that phrase, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. Now, I think you and I should live our life to please God. You know, so many times we make decisions on what pleases us. We ought to make our decisions based on what pleases God. We don't, we don't set the agenda of our church by what pleases our community, pleases us. We want to do that by what pleases God. The music that we have, we wanted to please God. The, 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 the spirit, we wanted to please God. It's not intended to please you, please me. That's just a bonus. We want to please God with our life. But I believe what this passage of Scripture is saying, that God could have chosen any mode, any method to communicate what Christ did. If God wanted the trees to talk and preach of a risen Savior, they could. If God wanted the rocks to cry out and preach of what Christ did, they could. If God, God could have used anything that he could have used, but God chose preaching. God chose, it pleased him by the foolishness of preaching. That is what God has chosen. He could have chosen anything he wanted as the means of communicating the gospel. But he says it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. We live in a day when church is trying to replace preaching, but it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to communicate. No wonder man doesn't know of a risen Savior because we are getting away from preaching. Some look down on preaching. No wonder. We, we, don't, we don't know what we should know as a nation, as a world, about a risen Savior, about the importance of cross, a true picture of salvation. One of the saddest things you and I will ever encounter is somebody who's confused about salvation because it is so simple. It is all about Christ. But as we look down on preaching, we get away from the means that please God. 
Some, even others, make fun of it. You're still one of those churches that some guy gets up and yells at you the whole time. That's what they say when it comes to preaching. But God, it pleased him. It's God's plan. I don't understand all the reasons why God did it. I can just tell you that it works. It's effective because it's what God established. As we look at for after that in the wisdom of God, we must go back to the first, the couple of verses before it. We, God refers to, Paul is writing, God's referring to the wisdom of the wise. Man, many times, thinks they're smarter than God. One of the saddest things you see in, in ministry, and this is good for me to remind those that are training for the ministry, and in the future, as we as a church train others for the ministry, uh, you can't figure out a better way to do what the book, the book says to do it. You can't improve on the book of Acts. You can't improve on the Spirit of God. You cannot improve on the plan that God has established. And quite frankly, there's been a lot of smart men who think they can improve on what God has established. You can't improve on God's church. You can't improve on God's order. You can't improve on God's plan. God says, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise... I bring to nothing the understanding of the prudent. Where is the wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the dispute of this world? Hath not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? For after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. Some, much, some of this we, we saw this morning, but if we were to read, continuing in verse 26 through down through the end of the chapter, and we find in Several places. Well, let's let's read verse 26. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. There's a lot lot of God, a lot of times we have this mindset, men have this mindset, well, God needs God has to use me. God don't have to use anybody. God chooses to use us. Verse 27, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. One of uh, the most telling scriptures in the book of Acts is how confused the smart people got when the ignorant and unlearned fishermen and those disciples, the wisdom that they spoke with, the power that they had, it went against everything that society says you had to have and be in order to, to, to do the things that they were doing. And God has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty and base things of the world and things which are despised, as God chosen, yea, and things which are not brought to bring to naught, things that are. Why has God used preaching? Why does he use the, the ordinary things? And by the way, there's never been a man who stood to preach the gospel that's anything other than ordinary Anything or other than base. God is the one who does the work. God is the one. Say, man, you're, we're fortunate to have such a brilliant pastor. You are, but that's not the whole point. No, God does the work. God does it. So, pastor, how do you know to preach that? I don't know to preach it. God presses upon my heart, explain it. I can't. But I just know God does the work. Why is it? Verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Friend, one of the great things I love about the Emmanuel Baptist Church, there's no denying God is present. And if God is not here, why are we even here? 
why, why do we even go through the motions? We want the presence of God. And that's why we want to do things that please God so that we can have his presence. The Spirit of God is among us, and no flesh should glory in his presence. Any, any preacher will tell you that there are times when they'll come to the pulpit and say, man, this is a good one. Man, it's, it's alliterated. It's, this is going to bring the house down. And you preach it, and half the crowd's asleep. The other half wishes they were asleep. <laughs> then there's times when you scratch, scratch four words in the margin of your Bible and say, okay, Lord, it's just me and you. And it's like, Pastor, I've been praying about this forever, and, and this is the one. Why is it? Because no flesh could glory in his presence. It's all about him. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching. There's four words I want to give you from this passage of Scripture just to remind us. Just as like this morning, I want to remind us not to get distracted from the cross. Not to get distracted from the main thing. You know, this, the, 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 the five or however many people got saved on this property this morning, they needed to hear the gospel. That, that's the most important thing. This, this city needs the gospel. This world needs the gospel. Four words tonight I want to see. The first word is purpose. Verse 17, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Paul is proclaiming his purpose, to preach the gospel. What is the purpose of the church? Is it to provide community? No, it's not. It's to preach the gospel. It's to equip the saints so they can preach the gospel. This morning, I preached the gospel. During the week, you and I have an opportunity. Every child of God has the opportunity to preach the gospel. When, when, when you give the gospel to somebody, that, that is preaching the gospel. Now, Sunday morning, there's only one preacher, and that's me. That's the pastor of the church, but you get what I'm saying. That is the purpose. That's got to be our purpose is to preach the gospel. That is the most important thing. And in context with our, with our text this morning, Paul, of course, is addressing the contention they had. And what he is reminding them is, as I reminded us this morning, without the, the most important, the secondary things don't matter. As a matter of fact, if we take care of the first thing, all the others will take care of themselves. And we, we have to preach the gospel. That is the purpose of the church. That is the as 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 the shepherd, as the pastor. There's a lot of responsibilities that I have. None more important than preaching the gospel. That that is the purpose that we have. What is the purpose of the Emmanuel Baptist Church? To preach the gospel. That word preach is to publish. It's what God chose as His method to proclaim. Christ crucified. It is the purpose. It is the most important thing to preach the gospel. The second word I want to mention this evening is the word passion. We look in verse number 18. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. Now, in verse 17, as we've already seen, Paul says his goal, his purpose, he's come to preach the gospel. Verse number 18, for the preaching of the cross to them that perish foolishness. Those that do not know the Lord, those that perish, those that reject Christ, or those that do not know the Lord, to them preaching is foolishness. And let me just stop right there. That's why we don't copy 
what the emerging church puts into place. I'm not going to copy what lost men write into their doctrine. Because they because preaching is foolishness. And, I, and this, is, this is a whole other topic for another day. But there are Baptist men who have adopted methods and doctrine from what I believe are lost men. They get their music from there. They get their methods from there. And it all takes away from that which pleases God, the preaching of the gospel. But to those that perish, it's foolishness. Well, it's, that's why we don't take a poll. What is wanted in 2023? Because God's already established what pleases Him. So it is to them that perish foolishness. But notice this. I like this. But unto us, which are saved, it is the power of God. We don't determine what we do by them who are unsaved. We do what we do because it pleases God, because we understand the power of God. It is something different for us. You and I must maintain a passion for the preaching of the gospel. You and I must maintain a passion uh, for uh, us as a church to proclaim the truths of Scripture, to proclaim a risen Savior, and to preach the gospel. And you say, on Easter Sunday that's coming up, or Resurrection Sunday, whichever you want to call it, uh, when that's coming up, you know, what are we going to do? What kind of, we're going to have some special music that is geared toward that, but what kind of program are you going to have? We're going to have preaching of a, of a risen Savior. We're going to have preaching of a resurrected uh, Lord, and that's what the message is going to be. Why? Because unto us, there's something different about preaching the gospel. It's the passion that we must have. It's the passion that we must maintain. As a church, as we continue to press forward, we must not lose the passion for preaching that pleases God. It's something different for us. Number three, the third word I see is program. Verse 23. But we preach Christ crucified. What is the program of the church? But we preach Christ crucified. So what else do you do? Well, we have some fellowship times, but we preach Christ crucified. Now, in context with that is what we saw this morning in verse 22. For the Jews require a sign. But we preach Christ crucified. There's a lot of religious people today that require a sign. Convince me. Prove this scientifically. Do all these things, but we require a sign. But we preach Christ crucified. If you're looking for a church that requires a sign, the Emmanuel Baptist Church is not it. I'll just go ahead and tell you. But we preach Christ crucified. The Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified. That is the message, that is the program of our church, is to preach Christ crucified. And I know we all know this, I, I believe we're all on, on the same page with this, but it's good for you and I to be reminded that of all the methods that God could have chosen when He designed the church, when He founded the church on His Son, the program that He put in the place was the preaching of the gospel. 
It, it is our program. We look for the signs and the wisdom, but our program is different. We preach Christ. You know, we need to be reminded that Christ is enough. He's enough. The message of Christ is enough. And it's not just a message of how he, certainly we know that he was born of a virgin, but we need to be reminded of why he came. So that he could go to the cross. The finished work of Calvary. That is our program, is we preach Christ. That's why uh, everything is geared around getting the gospel out. It's our program. Then number four, look at how fast I'm moving tonight. Number four, the fourth word is power. Verse 24, but unto them which are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Unto them that are called, those that trusted Christ, the Jews, the Greeks, those that needed a sign, they needed wisdom, but they trusted a risen Savior, Christ the power of God. There's no greater power than a risen Savior. None. You think about how powerful our God is. Will you think about, I mean, the, I don't know if you like to get outside in the evenings and there's been some just beautiful nights recently with clear skies and you look up and you see those stars. Our God put them there. He spoke them into existence. The, 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 the amazing power of our God. The laws of science that this universe runs by. God wrote them. God is not just so powerful that he wrote them and put them into place. He can alter them anytime he wants to. Say, Pastor, are you worried about global warming? No, I'm not. Because God is in control of the universe. Now, I've read in Genesis and what God commanded man, and nowhere in there did he say limit the number of SUVs on this planet. That's the limit of my power, is the SUV. That's the limit to my power. No, God is in control. My God is powerful enough to keep the planet that he created and we know what's going to happen to it one day. It's not going to be destroyed until he destroys it. When you think of the power of God, you think of the wind, you think of the seas. God is a powerful God. And you read me talking about Moses, and we're going to get to in the next little bit in our Sunday school series on the Red Sea parting and how God parted the Red Sea. Push the waters back. And in doing so, they walked across on dry ground. There's multiple miracles in that. The power of God. But all of that, as great as it is, in my opinion, isn't as great as my God, my Savior, Conquering death. Death has no hold on God. 
Sin has no power over God. Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, when He came forth victorious out of that grave, after going to the cross of Calvary, after taking upon Him the sins of mankind, He came forth from that tomb with the keys of death and hell. He's in control. He's in command. And friend, you and I, uh, we have a physical death, but friend, we do not have to have a spiritual death, and there is a resurrection that's going to take place. And every child of God who closes their eyes in death they have eternal life to look forward to. They have eternal life to enjoy because God has conquered death. Don't you think that's a message that we need to get out? That's a message that we need to communicate. That's a message that needs to be on the tip of our tongue and on our lips as we go out. Let me tell you about a risen Savior. Well, we need, what's going to happen in this political world we live in? Is this person going to save us? Is this person going to save us? I don't know how it's all going to work out. But friend, let me tell you, there is a Savior who has risen from the dead. And let me tell you what's going to fix this world. One day, King Jesus is coming back. And when King Jesus is in his rightful place, then there'll be peace. Then there'll be harmony. Trump's not bringing it. DeSantis isn't bringing it. We know Biden ain't bringing it. But let me tell you who is bringing it. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the story that needs to be told. It's the power. There is no power like the cross. There's none. It is the power of all the methods, of all the mediums that God could have used, it pleased him. It satisfied him to use the foolishness of preaching. You know why? Because when it's done, man can't take credit for it. If it's done according to this book, Christ has all the focus. If it's done in the power of the Spirit... God can move and the hardest heart can be softened and sinners can be saved. It's the power of God. It pleased God to say that's the method, that's the medium. To the church, go preach the gospel to the world. That's the program. That's what we're supposed to do. It's the power of it pleased him. If it pleases God, then there's nothing that we need to try and add to it. There's nothing that we need to change about it. And he's just maintained the program. So I conclude with this as this reminder this morning, as we think about this morning and then we think about this evening. Let me just give, give three quick thoughts, three statements I'm just going to mention and we'll close in prayer. If this is true, if the cross of Christ should be the focus, we in agreement there? If, by his own word, God tells us that he's satisfied with preaching, he's chosen preaching, then statement number one is we ought to get as many as possible under the preaching of a risen Savior. It's really not an option for you and I to invite somebody to church next Sunday. If we believe these things, we need to get as many people as possible. You need as many people as you can give the gospel to. Statement number two, we ought to make the preaching and prayer, a, a, we ought to make prayer a great part of the preaching. 
Pray for your pastor. I haven't said this in a while, and I'll say it again. You know, I'm not above criticism, but before you criticize me, pray for me. And let me just say, don't criticize me if you're not going to pray for me. Matter of fact, it's a good rule of thumb with each other, too. Pray for your pastor as he preaches. There are many of you, you can't go out on a Saturday, you can't go out on a, on a day during the week physically, or your schedule will not allow you to do that, but you know what you can do? You can pray for those that do go out. Pray for hearts to be prepared as they're going to hear the gospel. Make it a matter of prayer. Then the third statement I'll make, and we'll, we'll, we'll close, is don't get distracted. I preached about that this morning. The devil's good at distracting Don't get distracted. Keep your focus on what is the main thing, the main priority. We have one life to live for our Lord. And I believe God wants us to enjoy the life he's given us. I believe that. I believe he wants wants us to live this life to the fullest. But the greatest way we can live our life is for him. And that which is going to last for eternity are those whose lives were changed like yours and mine by the preaching of the gospel. Don't ever get weary of investing in souls. It's the power of the gospel. So let's work together, not just this week, but in the year to come to get as many people as possible under the preaching of the gospel. Get as many people as possible. Say, Pastor, you challenged us a couple of weeks ago to, to do our best to have to win one person to Christ every, every week for the next several weeks and to get one person. You ought to be praying about that. You ought to say, if, I got, if I'm going to win one person, how many do I need to talk to? I need to talk to 10 people this week. And if you talk to your first person and they trust Christ as your Savior, don't stop. I'm done this week. No, keep going. But we, we have to make it a focus. We ought, to, we, ought to, we ought to stay close to God in prayer in our own heart, in our own life, and, and, and pray for others, and let's not get distracted along the way. Well, there's something that we believe very, is very important because it's important to God, and that's the preaching of the cross. You know, everybody has a, can have a part in that. It's a big responsibility to stand and preach the Word of God. I'm glad I'm not the pastor. I'm glad I don't have to do that. Well, you know what? You should be participating in that. You should be praying for your pastor. You should be praying for the Spirit of God, too. And as a matter of fact, that's why you have a responsibility to be right with God. Because your prayers matter. Your participation matters. Do you know one thing that helps prepare the hearts of people is the music of this church? And I, I love the choir, don't you? The night, the choir, and orchestra, but that was great, wasn't it? I've got to confess something to you, though. That's not the favorite part of my music. It's hearing myself sing up here. That's the favorite part. <laughs> it's definitely not listening to these guys over here singing. It's the congregational singing. It's us all singing together. That prepares the hearts of the people. Everything that has done, a friendly spirit, a handshake in the foyer, the ladies that keep the nursery, the ushers that 
Point people in the right direction. Everything that takes place, we have a, you have a part in the preaching of the gospel. Let's keep our focus there. Father, I pray that you use your word tonight. 